Welcome to your sanity safe space with your favorite YouTube podcast duo, or at least one of them. It kind of depends and probably some rando too, but no complaining because this is free. Free. This is beauty and the beta bonus audio content. Hello and welcome to the show. This week, I was a guest on the Gun Collective podcast. The Gun Collective is a fantastic YouTube channel. It is one of my regular views. If you're interested in anything gun-related, from new product reviews to breakdowns on laws or legal issues, they're a one-stop shop for all the information you'll need. In this episode, we had some great discussion about my political evolution, the strategy of persuading people to a pro-gun stance or just a pro-liberty stance generally, and of course, a little bit of personal gun collection and experience talk as well. If you like what you hear, and I hope that you will, check out the Gun Collective YouTube channel and their secondary streaming channel linked in the description. Thanks for listening and enjoy. Welcome back to the Gun Collective podcast. My name is John Patton. We have a new crowdfunding platform. You guys know this if you listen every week. If you're enjoying the show and you want to support us directly and maybe even get something beyond our normal content, maybe some behind-the-scenes stuff, maybe a little giveaway or two, head over to subscribestar.com slash theguncollective and jump in at any of our levels. We went through some BS with uh, Patreon and Subscribestar is our new home, and we would love it if you guys came over there at Subscribestar.com slash The Gun Collective. Also, I want to talk about Vertex right quick. Vertex is a big-time supporter of The Gun Collective. Uh, I've been using their Ready Pack 2.0. Genevieve has their dead letter bag and absolutely loves that thing. And Felix the Wonder Dog, our puppy has his own bag. I forget which model it is, but it is fantastic. We gave Felix an EDC bag because he actually needed it. And uh, if you use the code TGC over at Vertex.com, you get 25% off your entire order. That's TGC at V-E-R-T-X.com. Now, tonight, we've got a new guest. Uh, This is a guy that uh, falls outside of the realm of what a lot of people that know TGC are watching. People that watch political commentary will absolutely know our guest tonight. He is one of my favorites, one of the most level-headed approaches I've ever heard in terms of political commentary. He's on YouTube. He's got his own website, Matt Christensen Media. And it turns out within the last five years, he is a convert, a new gun-owning Uh, former liberal. He tells me he voted for the other side at one point in his life. His uh, main YouTube show, Beauty and the Beta, is on YouTube. They have over 200,000 subscribers, and I am really, really excited to have Matt on the show tonight. Also, we have a returning co-host, Genevieve Jones, a.k.a. Beyond the Unknown, and now officially the vice president of Hold My Guns. She is joining us tonight because we're both under the weather and we're going to try to power through this. Now, Matt, how are you tonight, man? I'm well. Thanks for having me. I'm really excited to be here. I love the channel. So thank you. This is a thrill. Appreciate it. Yeah. I'm excited to talk to you guys. I'm I'm pumped that we could finally make this work. We were trying to get the schedules to line up for quite a while now. Uh, I have to ask you one question here. So I'm looking Mm. at your username on YouTube. 
Oh yeah, Library of Call of Duty Rage. <laughs> yeah, that, that's actually that's actually how I started on YouTube. Okay, um, like this was pure hobby back in 2012, 2011. I used to play Call of Duty like to a to a bad degree. Like this was basically my life outside of school and my job and stuff. So I'd play with my with my friends and with my family. And if you've ever played online video games, Call of Duty in particular, especially back in the day the best part of the game was people yelling at you, was people raging at you, people talking crap. And uh, I just, I thought one day, a lot of these encounters are really funny. I should probably start recording them and just having fun. You know, I never went looking for trouble. I'm not trying to pick a fight with people, but when people pick one with you, it's fun to, uh, you know, have a little fun with them. So that's actually how I started on YouTube. And um, over time, I kind of moved away from that for a variety of reasons and fell into... (laughs) talking politics sort of by accident. And a lot of that uh, political transformation that you mentioned has happened in part on YouTube. So that's been uh, that's been a blast. The the username remains the same because, like, you know, I had a small base to work with. It's right. Some people have stuck with me from weird, quirky Call of Duty rage content to uh, at least attempted serious <laughs> political commentary. And uh, I'm really thankful for those people. But I, I just didn't want to quit and restart. You know, I wanted to work with the base that I had. Sure. So that's the story. And and come on, that is a great, great username. Like It was fun. Now, go back and find it on my channel. Are, are we talking all the way back to COD 4? Or are you going back that far? I, uh, that far? I started the project with uh, with Modern Warfare 3. Oh my goodness, so, I'm old. Modern Warfare 3, Black Ops 2. <laughs> um, I stopped doing that stuff around the time Call of Duty Ghosts came out. Oh, what a terrible So it had a good was. multi-year run. All right, all right. So yeah. so <laughs> I want to I try and understand this. Uh, I'm, uh, you know, we, we talked about it a little bit beforehand. You said, and I don't know how much you've talked about publicly with this, but you said that you had previously in, in days of yore, you have voted for Democratic people. I'm yes. not. I'm not going to name names, but uh, I'll let you do that. But I want to understand, yeah. like, how the hell did you get here? Like, you that's a that's a pretty like, you know, that, that's a pretty stark transition there. How did that start? Like, where where well, did that I, come from? I often wonder how much of it is change in my perspective and change in my principles versus just how crazy I think a lot of what is the mainstream left has gone today. At least in my opinion. You mean but socialism? Back when I, well, use whatever word you uh, <laughs> you want. I I prefer communism myself. But, all right, uh, you know, all right. <laughs> we'll take whatever word you deem fit. <laughs> sure. Um, when I was a, a reliably democratic voter, you know, these are more like fresh out of college years, and even even in high school. Like when I was in high school, and my political worldview was forming, it was really cool to hate Bush. It was really cool to be rabidly against the Iraq War and all that stuff. And and the Democratic Party was kind of the 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 alternative to that at the time. But my political worldview formed on the basic idea that like in areas where opportunity lacks, perhaps the government has a role in providing it. You know, if, if you if someone needs a, a hand up in in getting a good college education or affordable health care where it's not available, those kind of things, maybe even a job where it's not available. I formerly thought that the federal government might be a useful mechanism to fill that void. Over time, that's changed a lot. And I trust the federal government to do very little these days. But the crux of it was the betrayal of what I have always 
stood for and what's always been most important to me, which is the freedom of speech. Even when I was a person who believed that tax and spend government is useful, I've never been the sort of person who wants to go to someone's speaking event and heckle them or shut them down or ban people from speaking. I've always been a free speech absolutist or at least uh, within the the constructs that the Supreme Court has set up. And so the, the, the turning point for me in 2016, I mean, like everybody, I, I was a lefty, but come on, I'm, am I going to vote for Hillary Clinton? Is that really going to happen? <laughs> so I'm considering my options. And I see Donald Trump speaking in Chicago. And this was the first time that I remember that a leftist mob actually shut down his speaking event. And I mean by like physical force. It was too dangerous for him to speak. The event didn't happen. And these people are running around like a bunch of fools. And people on my team, so to speak, people with whom I usually agree, my political friends, Many of them, if not all, are celebrating this. Like, this was a good thing that a politician was not able to speak. And I'm sitting there thinking, like, okay, I don't like Donald Trump. I, at the time, you couldn't have convinced me that I would vote for him eventually, but here we are. <laughs> I don't like the guy. But come on, we're not going to celebrate shutting down political speech. That's not what this country's about. And then, it, so that hostility to speech has only increased over time, in my estimation, which led me to question... Okay, what else are they wrong about? And that's, <laughs> at least from my perspective now, it turns out a lot of things. Um, on guns in particular, how, how my perspective has changed on that, first of all, information and education, when I was more of a common sense gun control person, I just didn't know that much. I didn't know sure. much about gun technology. I didn't know that much about the laws. So part of that is education and just becoming familiar with the facts of the matter. I, I think that's that's super interesting because we talk all the time about the thing that's going to be the catalyst for change in terms of gun rights is education. And yeah. and you are an example of self-education with with that exact change happening. That, you know, that, with a lot of help from YouTube. I mean, to, the, to this day, most of my gun information as a consumer comes from channels like yours and people talking about guns. I mean, the, the other part that uh, that happened for me was just self-examination of my principles. So coming from a perspective of, of basically First Amendment absolutism, and being a somewhat of a public figure, I'm sure you guys are familiar, you get weirdos on Twitter sending you weird threats or emails from weird hostile people. If it's really bad, maybe you'll contact the police. But I've never thought wow, some weirdo abused his speech rights on Twitter or in my email. We should restrict speech for otherwise <laughs> law-abiding people. And then I thought, well, why do I think that way with guns? I mean, just because somebody abused that tool out there, why should I go after law-abiding people who are otherwise just defending their homes and their lives and their property? What sense does that make? Why would I punish them? They didn't do anything. So it was yeah. tough for me to square that. I never could. And Eventually, we're talking about the NFA and making sure everyone has a machine gun under their bed, which is how things should be. <laughs> <You know? laughs> it it, it yeah. sounds like you, uh, at some point, somebody was trying to get you to be a Republican and the libertarian stuff just bit. <laughs> I, think, I yeah, think that's fantastic. I mean, a, a lot of this, too, as I said, is just, uh, I mean, <laughs> if the alternative is insane tax rates, open borders, you can't defend yourself. Uh, all, all the status quo that it is the Democratic Party these days. Uh, no, thank you. I'll take literally anything. That's the other factor in this push. Sure, uh, is just the insanity of the alternative, which 
Yeah. That's not that's not the primary driver, but it's a consideration. Sure, sure. I I actually, uh, you know, you're talking about this these nut jobs on social media. I actually had a guy less than a couple hours ago. I I posted a meme that uh, was just like confirmation bias of uh, you know some conspiracy theory type stuff. And I knew this was going to happen. Yeah, yeah, and a guy I guy knew, gets on there. I knew someone was going to say that. He he said uh, <laughs> he said he had top top secret clearance or blah 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 because because you know guys that have that clearance go bragging about it on Instagram. So hmm. he says he's got this clearance and that uh, you know you people shouldn't have guns if you think this. I was like, excuse me, sir, you're you're promoting thought crime. The the <laughs> like. Thoughts are, are supposed to be illegal now. You're not allowed to think something, and uh, you know I I have clearance. You're you're not gonna you're not gonna tell me different. Okay, all right, bud. But yeah, I I can I can understand you know the mentality of just trying to trying to just be yourself and have you know, like you have to make a political decision at some point. Unfortunately. Um, in, in our world, at least I feel that way. I feel like you, you kind of have to go, okay, this is where I would like things to move forward, right? This is the direction I would like us to head in. And in that decision-making process, I find that, you you know, I, I don't understand, and I don't know that I ever will, the, the concept of, like, everybody else is super, super duper important and my life doesn't matter even if I have hmm. to suffer. Like, there's this weird thing going on. Where, where do you think that comes from? Um, you know, I, I know I know that in your life you've probably had a lot of people reject you because you don't want to suffer on behalf of other people. Like, Genevieve actually went through that with, with hmm. some of her high school friends. You know, this, All of th them. <laughs> yeah, they all bailed. Because she was like, hey, I own guns and this is my life now. What what have you really? experienced? Well, I've certainly experienced uh, friendship fallouts because of politics. And this is one reason that I mean, part of it is that this is my quote unquote professional life is talking politics. So I don't really have the appetite to speak with friends about it after hours, you know. But the other part of it is like it is potentially friendship ruining. So these days I. I never bring it up unless it's brought up to me, and I double-check with people, are you sure you'd like to go down this path? Because it could potentially break everything up. But I've never actually heard of it in the context of guns. Maybe that – I want. I bet that might be a little bit different with men than women. Even, even more liberal men I know I think are more open to some gun debates. Maybe I'm wrong, but, but I've, I've not heard of that in uh, the context of my male friends at least, but, um, but I have had it in other contexts and it's very strange to me. Uh, I think everybody here probably is, is very passionate about what they believe myself included. Am I so passionate though, that I will moralize with my friends who disagree with me and insist that they agree or be bad people as a consequence? No, I would prefer to try to convince them, but that's an odd thing that's happening now that I don't remember in my younger years. Like, for example, the, the school I went to at the college I went to, there were like three Republicans in the college Republican club. We're talking about like a small liberal arts college in Portland, Oregon. They're just not there. But they offered, <laughs> they, they offered free pizza for their club meetings. So it's like, all right, cool. I'm going to go get a slice of pizza. And I don't, I don't really agree with these guys, but they're, they're nice guys. We can have lunch and discuss. I, even when I was on the other side of this, I don't remember thinking the reason that person disagrees with me is because he's a bad person. 
not because he holds different principles or uh, has a different perspective, because he's a moral failure. That's weird. And that's where we are as a country right now. I, I don't know the cause of that other than like, I don't know. It's all, it's like a religious commitment to their worldview. Uh, I, I don't know how else to explain it. It's like, agree with this or be bad. You know? I think a lot of it has to do with, with school, too, that you, you did touch on a little bit, Matt. Um, I don't know what year you graduated. I graduated high school in 2012, so it wasn't mm. super long ago. Yeah. Uh, I did like a year of college in like 2015. So the climate as it is now, I'm I'm pretty familiar with because I've been around it. Yeah. And uh, when John was touching on some stuff earlier, that actually isn't really what happened. When I lost all of my friends because I agreed with things that Trump had said. Oh, um, okay. My okay. friends had known they had known that I've been shooting. I took a lot of them to the range actually while I was in high school, and that didn't really affect anything. Everybody joked around about how they thought I was a total badass and stuff, you know, mm. and would love to brag about it. But as soon as I agreed with like one thing that Trump said when he first started running for president, it was like nobody talked to me anymore. <laughs> I had literally one friend left. That was it. And all of the people that I know now are through John and, and through life at uh, working at gun stores and in this industry after that. But yeah, and I, I think a lot of it comes from school too, because even the teachers when I was in school would put their political beliefs on children. And there was a while when I was in high school that I thought I was a Democrat because they don't teach you anything other than uh, if you support gay marriage, you can't be a Republican. And they, mm -hmm. they say things like, if you if you support free speech, you can't be a Republican. And all this stuff that isn't really true. And I remember going to my dad saying, like, Dad, I think I'm a Democrat. This was when I was in, like, 10th grade. And yeah. I said, you know, I don't care if gay people get married. Um, I don't care if people smoke pot. Like, people should be able to say whatever they want and stuff like that. And he's like, listen, that is not how it works. I distinctly remember him getting mad at me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I didn't, I didn't know anything else. So kind of similar to what you said, Matt, the, the education is, is really the, was the turning point for me. And mm. just, you know, you don't hear anything but one side. And I think that people who are in school now, it's even worse than it was when I was in. And that wasn't even that long ago. But that's my opinion. Wow. I, I so I I'm a little bit older than you. I graduated high school in 06 and I graduated college in 2010. And for me, especially my college experience was the exact opposite. I feel very fortunate for that. I couldn't tell you the po I, I got a degree in political science. So we're talking political theory and the you know quasi scientific study of politics. That's all we did. We're talking politics basically all the time. But those professors to this day, I couldn't tell you their personal politics. They mm -hmm. were just masters of the Socratic method, man. You go to class, you say black, they say white. You say up, they say down. You you take a stance. Why? 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 And that is, uh, I, I'm very thankful they 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 pushed that into my brain. It was never a, it was never what to think. It was how to think, and that's why I'm so thankful to them. That seems uh, like a that seems like a rare thing these days because what a, I you know I I didn't go to college. I went to tech yeah. school, and I never had that experience. I had it all throughout high school, all yeah. throughout elementary school, and the and the under. You know the the you know, younger stuff uh, like this this what I hear colleges are doing, and what I see through the news is that they're just filling kids' heads with this sort of uh, for lack of a better term liberal bullcrap. And I mean, my my sister 
is a result of that. You know, I, I see it all the time. And I don't know if perhaps it's not the staff. Yeah, I think they I think a lot of times they definitely shove their opinions in. But perhaps yeah. it's this culture that's surrounding colleges. Maybe it's maybe it's this idea of like the college is taking care of us. So will the government. Does that make well, sense? What do, you, what do you think of that? Yeah. Go ahead if you if you want to take it. I was just going to say real quick um, something else to think about, John. I know you and I have talked about this before and how this never happened to you. I don't know, Matt. You graduated a few years after, or yeah, after John. <laughs> so I don't know if you had yeah, a similar old. experience. But um, growing up in in middle school and in high school and even in college, <clears throat> I have been through a series of like twelve different bomb threats where we've been let mm-hmm. out early and you know, told to go home. There's been helicopters, fire trucks, ambulances, like ever since I was really young. And that's something that John never really experienced when he was in school. I I don't know what caused it or what happened, but it was, it was literally like every couple of weeks we would either have a bomb threat or a a shooting threat. And Mm -hmm. we would, you know, and I think a lot of that plays into how teachers speak to the the kids in their class too, because like going through all of that and having to have the discussions about it and then having to like go around the room, like, do you feel anything about what just happened? Like, is everybody okay? You know, mm-hmm. I think that has a, a big thing to do with how the climate is now and how everybody thinks. Well, let's keep in mind, uh, September 11th, I was, I believe a, either a junior or senior. I think I was a senior in high school when that happened. So the the concept of like what the world hap you know the world just transformed after that i didn't deal with that like the you know these we had i think we had i remember one bomb threat and not once did it cross my mind that it was like a terrorist that that was never a thing it was some kid called in like a threat and and that was the issue but mm-hmm. i i want to i want to try and bring this back to what we do here i want to try and bring this around back to guns mm-hmm. um I want to try and understand where where do you think uh, the sort of liberal mindset on firearms comes from? Well, I think a lot of it, just philosophically, regardless of whether they have the correct information or not, the more I examine kind of my former perspective and a lot of the perspective I see expressed on the left today, the more I think it's a it's a comfort in rejecting responsibility for the self. That is to say, if I can put responsibility for my safety in the context of firearms in the hands of somebody else that's trustworthy who will take who will take care of it for me, there's comfort in that. I don't have to do anything. The police will protect me. I don't have to do anything. The fire department or the emergency responders or whoever else. And I'm not saying that we shouldn't have those people and rely on those people to protect us. That's what they're here to do. But they can't be there on a moment's notice. They can't do it immediately. They can't. They can't protect you. You're your. You're your own first and last line of defense. Part of just growing up, for me, has been realizing that. Um, but I. But I think. Uh, I just think a lot of that perspective is rejecting responsibility for the self, whether it's guns or anything else. The reason my life is inadequate in any number of ways, that I don't have opportunity or I don't make the money I want to make or I don't have X, Y, or Z, it's someone else's fault. Someone else is responsible for the inadequacies that I see in my life. And my, uh, for me personally, adopting a philosophy of doing everything I can to take control of my own life to the maximum possible extent 
and being able to protect my own life and defend my own life to the maximum possible extent and assuming things that I don't like in my life are my fault first. That's that was the quickest route to a better life and more more happiness and being a more prosperous person. Uh, I don't I don't know how you make that argument cleanly <laughs> in the context of guns. It's a tough one. But but yeah, uh, oh man, I think that's at the root of it. I think it's I think it's a it's a it's a pinning of responsibility on other people for things that you don't like about your own life or for your own life itself, potentially. Yeah, that's very, very similar to uh, the cores of how Genevieve, at least how I perceive she thinks, which mm-hmm. is which is really interesting. Um, I, w- I also want to try and understand, you know, this, this liberal mindset. Um, I feel like we get a lot of things wrong. You, you know, you're talking about this rejection of self. And to me, that's a very emotional thing. Hmm. Like that... This this idea of somebody you're talking about comfort, right? So yeah. you're, you're you're displacing responsibility and f- backfilling with false comfort, right? So, do you think that uh, it's even possible to move some of these folks on on their thoughts? Like, is that a is that a thing that's even something we can accomplish? We talk about that on my channel all the time. Like, is it naive to think that you can? convert these people but i have to believe that it is possible and i have to believe that that reason and evidence and facts do win the day and um and i think that i am evidence of that the reason that i'm here talking to you right now and the reason i have perspective on guns now that i do is because there were people in this in this community in this political world who assumed my good intentions and said well have you considered this can you make an argument against this? Did you know this piece of factual information? What do you think about that? None of the people who persuaded me ever came to me and said, like, well, you're evil or, you know, I'm, I'm kind of a hypocrite here calling them communists. I understand. <laughs> but my point, you know, j- jokes aside, I have to stick on principle to assuming good intentions and assuming that even like I'll, I'll give you an example. I have I have discussions with friends on on guns all the time these days, especially, I mean, I have, I have, I'm surprised I didn't, I didn't get a text today, uh, regarding the news in California because, you know, friends will text you and be like, Oh, this would have been better if, if there were more guns in the world. Mm. Right. I'm thinking, well, yeah, kinda, but, (laughs) but that void aside, um, when you actually sit down and you discuss the law and you discuss gun technology and you discuss everything that's involved with the gun debate, maybe your friend doesn't say, Oh, I agree with you now. But you can tell you've kind of got them thinking. You can tell they're leaving that conversation without clear answers in their mind as to why they believe what they believe. And that's really what happened with me. You know, you might not see the evidence right before your eyes in that conversation. Yes, you persuaded me. Congratulations. Shake hands. <laughs> it's not really how it works. What it's it's not like get, a one-for-one exchange. Yeah. Like what happens <laughs> is you get someone thinking, and over the course of a few weeks or a few months, they realize – you know, I can't explain why I believe what I believe. That's kind of that's what happened to me. And when you have that realization, you think that's not good. I should know why I believe what I believe. And mm-hmm. I think in the context of guns, uh, Stephen Crowder says, and I think he's exactly right. I think this issue more than any other breaks down to simply people who understand the facts of the matter and people who don't. I, I don't like to say it's that simple, and I don't mean to attribute ignorance to people, but generally, I, 
I think that the facts of the issue are on one side of this debate and less so on the other. The other side is feelings and and demands and outrage and all this, but it doesn't have a lot of quality information and evidence. And so in particular on this issue, I think if you educate yourself in that way and you assume the good intentions of the person that you're talking to, you just get that little you get those gears grinding in their heads on the on the thought process of why they believe what they believe and eventually uh eventually they might be out buying guns themselves, which is always great. You know, that friend who used to debate you is now messaging you, hey, I, I'm thinking of, of picking something up. What, what do you recommend? You know, that, that's the kind of thing you want to see. That's so rewarding, too. Yeah. Matt, I would love to get your opinion on something, too. Um, so people listening probably know I, I love to discuss the topic of mental health. So mm -hmm. I was curious, in your opinion... What do you think are our, like, do you think we're addressing that at all enough? What are our downfalls? What are our strengths within the, the gun community regarding mental health? This is an issue I haven't really, uh, I haven't really dove into this one too much. And I don't have any kind of, um, like, medically qualified opinion <laughs> on this sort of thing, obviously. None of us do. I mean, <laughs> I, mean I think that the tough issue with mental health, I think we could all agree on a general principle that, like, Okay, if you're like if you're a, a person who just got out of the asylum, maybe we ought to have some some checks on that potentially. But the difficulty with mental health as an umbrella term is it's so broad. It's like okay, you were feeling sad one day. Should you have your rights stripped because of that? And of course, these are questions that at the end of the day, to, at least to maintain due process, they've got to be adjudicated by a court. I, I don't know that I'm comfortable with a with a. Uh, any kind of standard that says, well, because a medical professional says so, you can't exercise your rights. I, I wouldn't say that in the context of speech. I wouldn't say that in the context of search and seizure. There's got to be a due process court element. How do we handle it? Is it going to be courts of mental health or something like that? I think <laughs> I know it's not necessarily and maybe there's something I'm missing here. I'm open to suggestions. I know it's not necessarily a, a popular answer, but I think the more we try to police pre-crime in the context of mental health or red flag laws, I think you are setting precedent that's worse than what you're trying to prevent. And I think the only way actually to protect yourself from potentially dangerous individuals is to make sure that you are prepared, is to make sure that you're able to defend yourself. I'm open to ideas as long as due process is maintained. Um, but but so far, everything I've seen uh, tends to trash that concept as opposed to uphold it. So I'm very wary, but maybe there's something I'm missing. That was a good answer. I <laughs> I agree with you on the on the due po uh, due process part. And it's actually funny listening to you talk. It almost sounds like you've stolen some thoughts from my brain. <laughs> Something wow. that I like to say a lot is sure. uh, evil Evil should be defined by evil actions, not by a diagnosis. And I, I stand firm on that because like you said, it, it goes to a judge or it goes to a doctor and who's to say that they know what they're talking about or that it isn't influenced by some outside factor. And Red flag laws, TAPS Act, all that stuff. It, it's ex parte hearings. So, yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. There's absolutely no due process involved. Yeah. I uh, On the topic of red flag laws and stuff, I actually I, I don't know if you guys watch the Democratic debates uh, or not. I, I, very... I don't like uh, making my brain explode multiple times in a night. <laughs> yeah, right. Man, I can do one time. But... For it. Yeah. yeah, admittedly. 
But I don't know if you guys caught it, but they were um, at, I think it was the last debate. Of course, Beto's gone now, so that entertainment <laughs> factor is eliminated, unfortunately. But they were talking about his um, his gun confiscation, which he denied that he's going to do or whatever. But Julian Castro was actually up there talking about how red flag laws um, and uh, how there have been police knocks and police uh, – police going to people's houses and the incident ends up being fatal. Yep. And so he was making the case against Beto. I don't want more reasons for cops to be knocking and raiding homes. We've seen terrible examples like the case in Dallas is the one that he referenced. Uh, so we're not going to do that. And actually the crowd cheered, which I thought was kind of interesting. Cause you got this, you got this crowd cheering for, but they're taking a different angle on it. They're taking this kind of like anti-police brutality angle, which of course, sure. we're all anti-police brutality. Yeah. <laughs> That's ridiculous. It's like it's like yeah, okay. We we don't want people to die, and we also don't want people to be illegally like searched in their homes. Yeah. Welcome to being conservative, I guess, or just yeah, like it was, liberty. It was odd. Like it was odd how they arrived at an answer that I would cheer for myself. Totally different route, but they got there. <laughs> I'm not mad about it. Uh, yeah, I guess. But the thing is, I just want the principles to be consistently applied. Yes, police raiding your home uh, for sketchy reasons is something we ought to avoid. I agree. But that counts for guns too, guys. Like we're gonna we're gonna say that because you have, you know, because you're a gun owner, your your home shouldn't be raided as well. Speaking of right. h- hilarious uh, principles being the same, what was it that Bernie Sanders recently said about something being unconstitutional? <laughs> that freaking yeah. Socialist Bernie Sanders said, well, I, I don't remember what it was, and I know you'll know this. He was speaking, was it Iowa or New Hampshire? I forget. But he was speaking, he was doing one of his events. And uh, someone comes up and asks him about, uh, uh, it was about mandatory buybacks. Oh, and he okay. Said, okay. He said, I don't believe mandatory buybacks are constitutional because they're essentially confiscation, which is hilarious to the point you're raising. I've never heard him articulate principles against taking stuff. And here he is saying, well, we can't take the guns because Second Amendment. I, you, we Didn't can't he take... want gun buybacks? I'm really I, confused. I guess he doesn't. I think what he, I think his stance is uh, like a ban on the, the sale of new or, you know, a ban on the sale or transfer of quote unquote assault weapons. But I don't think he's in yeah. favor of if you own one, you must turn it over. Well, I think the the concept of buyback insinuates one that the government has permission to buy something they never owned. Also, that there's money exchanging hands, right? Like the yeah, government well, is going to pay you. He would much rather just say you can't have it and destroy it. Yeah. Well, the, the concept is so silly. I, I mean, first of all, it's your money that was taken from you yeah. at the point of a gun <laughs> that is then given back to you to take your gun. It's like going into a gas station and robbing their their cash register. And then buying a a candy bar from them, that's still theft. <laughs> you took their money to buy their property. It's still theft. So it's really weird. Like, I don't know that 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 and the point you're making. Like, it's not a buyback because what happens if I refuse the sale? It is confiscation. You're just giving me a little added incentive. I, if I refuse the sale, men with guns still come to my home to seize my property. Yeah, my stuff's not for sale. Hey, I want to I want to take some questions from the audience. There's a whole yeah. bunch of folks watching, uh, guys on YouTube, Facebook, wherever you're at. Uh, feel free to uh, leave us a question for Matt or Genevieve. Uh, this one was a super chat from Downskated, who's here all the time. 
<laughs> and I guess this is a bit on your show. He said, Matt and I once made love. Uh, we made his tactical tuna rock, but it just made Kevin Flanagan yell insults and conspiracy theories. I have I, no idea what any of that means. I have I no idea what that even, means. I can't even explain all of it, but is I will say like I appreciate deep? the tactical tuna reference. That is my favorite personal firearm in my collection is the what FS2000. Is it? The FS2000. Uh, they're, they're not even making them anymore. <laughs> And uh, it's like the Cadillac of rifles, man. No, it isn't. No, it isn't. It's this weird, <laughs> chunky, boat-like thing. And uh, let me tell you, it's a comfortable shooter. It's, I, I love that thing. I would, I would call that like the Ford Contour of rifles. <laughs> it's, it's, it's round and, and kind of weird looking and has, has a couple unique features. No, the, the FS2000 yeah. is cool. Because it's it's different, but <laughs> I love it. Uh, yeah. do, do you have like a bunch of interesting stuff like that? No, I'm not really a collector. And to be honest, I, I firearms have been in my family. That's how I actually got the FS2000. But in terms of buying my own and uh, building my own quote-unquote collection, I've mostly been buying for um, practicality. So, you know, I've got a few different AR setups. I've got a, a cheap, crappy AK. I've got some handguns. Um, so so there's nothing that's that collectible, really. But uh, but maybe in the future. I mean, it's always, that's the thing is once you get into this, I see how and why people build the arsenals that are featured on TV, <laughs> the weapons caches. Yeah. It's like, oh, that <laughs> Six one's cool. Guns. I want that. <laughs> oh, that one's cool. I want that. Yeah. You know, I see, I see how it happens. Hard not to go broke. Yeah. yeah, I'm yeah, I'm yeah. Uh, I'm trying to like it's it's fun for me now. I'm at a point where I've got a whole bunch of wacky stuff and mm-hmm. I, I'm trying to get uh, Genevieve more cool stuff. Like she's got a lot of practical stuff. She's got some revolvers. I want uh, I'm like I'm like, hey, let's let's build you a goofy ass AR. She's like, I want a 50 cal. <laughs> I'm like, yes, <laughs> I love you. <laughs> no, I want a 458 SOCOM. <laughs> words in my mouth man. Oh, sorry yeah. sorry sorry all right so uh we had we actually just had another <laughs> super chat shooting gallery new england uh says the fs2000 is the yugo of bullpups <laughs> all right we got a couple more i want to get to whatever uh, more for me yeah yeah exactly you can have yeah. that you and tim for military arms uh mycroft yeah. holmes uh he says why is this for you matt why did he go with the tac 14 instead of the shockwave and flat arc earth question mark I didn't. It's actually a shockwave with the Megpro oh, okay. forehand. Okay. Yeah. Um, but yes, that thing is actually, that is my, we joke on, on this show because it's called the Dumpster Defender. I don't know if you're aware of the reference. Oh, yes. I doubt it. I think those, that case is still being tried right now, I think. Really? It was pretty clear. It's pretty clear what happened. Well, I know they're on trial, but I, I don't know that it's actually been resolved. Oh. I, I'll have to check back on it. But yes, um, I went with the Mossberg for a few reasons, but one one of which is just having the mini shells, man. They're a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah. The, so, the mini shells are a riot. Uh, yeah. We've got another one here, Raggle Fraggle. I believe that's one of your guys. Would open carrying firearms break the taboo of gun ownership or exacerbate it? Now, this is an hmm. interesting topic. Genevieve, I want you to weigh in first because I know you've got okay. some opinions on open carry. Um, I'll say this. It's... It's uh, a dividing line in the gun community, I think. Genevieve, what do you think about open carry? I am really, 
I'm in the middle, honestly. I mean, I'm a libertarian, like very libertarian. So I try really hard to maintain those beliefs through all of the things that I'm faced with. And as far as open carry, I personally wouldn't do it. I think that from a defensive standpoint, it might make you a target. So I am not comfortable with doing that. I also am not the type of person that likes all eyes on me and likes a debate and likes all of the frustration that goes along with that. So it's not for me. However, if somebody wants to do that and they think that, you know, I have a friend of mine who always says, I know it makes you a target and I would rather be the first target than my family be the target. I'm like, all right, you wow. do what makes you comfortable. I, mm. Okay, go for it. You know, you have your own personal reasons. I'm not going to tell you what to do. And I've also heard people say that they think it will break the stigma the same way I think talking about mental health will break the stigma of that. So, I mean, there's arguments for both sides. I personally, I don't care if you have a gun, good for you. Do whatever you want with it. Carry it however you want. This is America. <laughs> sure. I, I'm with you 100% in that I uh, just strategically or tactically speaking, do not open carry. And I don't imagine my mind changing on that anytime soon. That said, if I see a guy with, you know, with a gun on his hip or something, I, I don't care. It's not going to bother me. Question is, what does it do for like soccer mom, member of mom's demand action? Is it going to enrage her and make her donate more to the organization? Or is it going to normalize that for her? I guess you'd probably have to ask that person and figure, figure mm -hmm. it out. I think the most interesting angle on that we've had on our show recently on this topic is, do you guys remember, so we had the, the Walmart shooting, it was at the El Paso one, I think, over the summer. And then like a week or two after that, kid in Missouri walks into a Walmart, open carrying an mm -hmm. AR and, and body armor and all this. And then he's held up by a guy who's concealed carrying. And we're talking about this on the show. And it was a pretty even split. As far as I understand, he's simply carrying the rifle. He never lifted his rifle. He never pointed it. He never threatened anybody according to what I've seen reported. That said, he deliberately chose a Walmart. There's an argument to be made he's kind of trolling or something like that. Our, our community was pretty evenly split. on. I, I personally think the guy's an idiot, but I'm not convinced he broke a law or, or, that, he, there's, or that we should say he's broken a law, that that should be illegal. I, I think he's an idiot, but... Like what? What? What would be our perspective on that particular guy? Like, what should the law have something to say about being a rifle-toting troll trying to get reactions after a mass shooting? Yeah, I, I, I think he's just a dick. I mean, really, like the context of of where he went and what he was doing was clearly a troll. Like that's a trolling move, and I get it, right? Like we want we want internet points, we want upvotes on Reddit and YouTube and all that kind of stuff. Like people people literally live their lives to absorb internet points, and I, I understand that in in that context, I, I get it. But I think that was a poor decision uh, on that guy's part. I I if he didn't break a law, he shouldn't be charged with anything. Well, anything, he actually. You know? right. As, as as I understand, we haven't checked up on the story for a while, but he got a terrorism charge. Oh my God! What? Really? That that was reported a terrorism charge for that's like you right. know inciting a public panic, basically. No, that's wrong. There, um, if yeah, if you don't break a law, there's no reason to have that happen. I agree well, with I, your sentiment that the kid's stupid. <laughs> yeah, I Go mean ahead, the precedent would be AR on your person equals incitement of a public panic. Right. I can't go that far. Um, that said, I also, I mean, I live in, in mostly rural Montana. It's not uncommon for people to have 
rifles on their trucks or rifles on their person if they're going out hunting or doing whatever it is that they're doing. So, I mean, Missouri is a mostly rural place as well. But, you know, even here, it's not necessarily common for someone to be walking around with an AR on their person in Walmart either. That, like, if I saw that person here, I'm not saying I'm going after, I'm just getting, I'm getting away from that dude. Like, I I want as far away from that person as possible. I, I, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to kind of weigh in here because I think it's important for our audience to hear this. I think open carry has a time and place. And right now with the political climate that we're dealing with, with this, this challenge that we're faced with to try and scrape back to get our rights where we need them. I think it's um, probably a bad idea to open carry an AR everywhere. And it has nothing to do with the legality. It has nothing to do with this, this, I think, false idea of normalization. I don't think that's how we normalize guns. I think we start with handguns and then move to rifles being open carried. I think it's a, I think it's a, a, a thing, like an attrition thing with the other side. I think we, we have to, they accept handguns as a readily like carried thing in their brains. So carrying a handgun is not jarring mentally to them. Um, and I, I also understand that, that people are going to freak out. Like, oh, you're you're catering to the snowflake mindset. Well, the problem is we need people that are in between snowflake and hardcore, you know, like sort of militia member at the other opposite end. We need the people in the middle to go. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna swing this way this time with whatever vote or whatever cause that we're pushing forward. And I think it's it's counterproductive to force guns into people's lives that don't want them there. That's why I concealed carry. I think my, my, my statement has been for several years. I'm not telling you to break the law, but carry a gun everywhere. Hmm. I think that's a reasonable thing to consider, but this, this like idea of shoving it down people's throats is I think very counterproductive. I kind of, uh, I kind of disagree with you there actually, John. Um, okay. So Let's hear it. why some, I thought I exactly what you just said. I had thought that for like years, I'm not even kidding years. And you and I have even had discussions about it probably last year where I agreed with the sentiment. And I, uh, Sarah and I actually had a conversation about this where we talked about in depth, like all of the possibilities. And when you're talking about not someone shouldn't be open carrying an AR, then you're kind of dis discluding the uh, the people who are 18 and can't purchase a handgun and might okay. just want to All express right. their right to carry a gun. So Sarah and I were talking about that a lot. And it's like, you can't be on one side and say, yeah, rights for everybody. Let's lower the age to buy firearms. If you can fight for our country, you can carry a gun. But then in the same breath, say, don't carry rifles in public, because that's the only option for a lot of people. That is so the that's best kind of where the I've turning point. Yeah, right. Isn't that great? That kind of opened my eyes to so many things. And I'm like, wow, okay, so there's a really good chance that people aren't just trying to parade around and be total assholes. They're just trying to exercise their rights. Hmm. So I I am on the stance of I'm never going to tell anybody what to do. Just think about the choices that you make. Think about what the repercussions could be and then make that decision for yourself. Well, I uh, I. I could not have said that better. That is a fantastic argument to what I was saying. And uh, 
shit remind me of that next time good lord <laughs> like that makes me feel stupid you know like for thinking that way it's like oh yeah all of those things are true that's that's perfectly reasoned i i don't know uh matt uh what do you think is is really taking place when people like go into like starbucks open carrying what do you think is happening <clears throat> Do you think that they're being like, is, is that in your opinion, an effective move? You're just talking about like a guy with a handgun on his hip. No, I mean, no, I'm talking about dude strapped with an AK. Oh, you're okay. Um, well, I mean, like I, the handgun thing, I, I think that's way for, more commonplace. It's hard for me to judge. I've not experienced it personally. I just see the pictures on the internet that get debated. Um, I can only speak to how I would react and I would react in much the same way. I'm not going, if that person, their, their, their rifle isn't raised, they're clearly not presenting a threat. They just have a rifle on their person. I'm not going to be bothered by that. And I'm with you hundred percent that the whole fundamental purpose here is defending everyone's right to defend their life and property as they see fit, not as I see fit, not as the government sees fit as they see fit. And I think that's one of the most persuasive arguments that I, that I can uh, make with my friends who are on the total other side of this is like, you know, listen, I, I, whatever, if a home intruder comes to get you and you want to tackle him, or whatever it is you want to do, that's fine. I'm not telling you, you must have a gun to defend your property. By the same token, please don't tell me what I must do or must not do to defend my life and property, because you're not a party to that. Now, this is, I mean, this is maybe not a perfect analogy, because the Starbucks is sort of a shared space. So I guess if I want to take the other side of it, are you inherently intimidating people with your rifle or something? Um. I mean, no, I, I'm not going to take part in saying that person needs to change their behavior. The only thing I would say is I would put, I would question if you're doing it, if you're doing it to defend your person, it's not really my business. If you're doing it as a strategic choice to normalize guns, like we we're talking about earlier, personally, I'm not persuaded that's the best strategy. I, I'm just skeptical what the soccer moms of the world think of that sort of thing. And I don't think they're going to warm up to it. But I would not be in favor of legal mechanisms to control those people or saying those people are inherent threats or that they're inciting a panic or anything like that. Hey, if you could uh, if you could just like follow me around and when I start to say something stupid, could you just like make it very, very clear for everybody? <laughs> Good Lord, man. Uh, I I thank you for uh, being a reasoned voice like we we are so trapped in this sort of um microcosm of guns on a day-to-day -day basis or at least i am like i i just you know i'm caught in it and hearing somebody sort of outside that circle you know like it, it, you are as refreshing to me to hear those words as uh thomas massey is when i hear him say things like that it's got the best twitter account man oh my god thomas massey <laughs> i'm trying to get him on the show I'm trying to That'd get him be on. great yeah that'd be really i cool. want to co-host no. that one yeah holy crap maybe and, matt can and, come too and thank you guys. I mean, I can't say enough about how much um, your channel and just gun YouTube in general has helped me philosophically, but also just in terms of like deciding what cool new gun I want to buy the next time <laughs> I got some spare change. So uh, so the appreciation and the admiration is mutual for sure.
Well, thank you. Thank you. Uh, I want to, we've got a lot more questions. Sure. Uh, The, the Facebook audience and the YouTube audience are just slamming them in here. So guys that are watching right now, thank you. This is, this is fantastic. Uh, Downskated again. He said, this is, we're going back to the FS 2000. (laughs) You you gotta be careful with my people, man. Yeah, that's okay. I don't, I don't want you banned. I don't want you in trouble on YouTube. Did you say spicy? Yeah. Yeah. We got, we got one of the spiciest (laughs) chats on YouTube, man. They'll, they'll get you in trouble. Look, uh, I don't. I don't know. Uh, they chat. can. They can bring the spice. <laughs> they can bring yeah. the spice. That's fun. Uh, FS two thousand is for, for people dinner. that wanted a Steyr Og, but got confused at the store. I love my Og, but and even have a rare MSAR, which is a weird gun to own. Uh, what's the first gun you all shot? All right, that's a good question. Hmm. Uh, Matt, why don't you start us off on that? What's the first one you shot? It was, uh, what's the 556 chambered scar? I forget the model names, but 16. that was the first, that's the first one I ever shot. And then, wow. okay. uh, it was a long time and I didn't shoot again for quite some time. And then, um, gosh, I'm trying, I don't even remember the first handgun I shot, but I know the very first one was a scar. So your first shooting experience was one of the smoothest and, uh, quite expensive, uh, semi-auto yeah, five us. That's an expensive. I don't gun. own one. I don't own one, but uh, but yeah, that was it. All right, Genevieve, what was the first one you shot? I don't know if I know this this answer. <laughs> Nobody ever believes me because I was like eleven, but I swear it happened, and I have witnesses. Um, Nineteen eleven, Nighthawk forty-five mm-hmm. was the first gun I ever shot, and the first gun I ever shot like consistently was a Browning Buckmark twenty-two, which is way more reasonable. Yeah. All right, <laughs> for an eleven-year-old, you know, yeah. Uh, I would say, like, when I was a kid, the one that I shot, I still own. It's, I think it's downstairs on the gun wall, but that is a Glenfield, I don't remember which model. It's a single shot, falling block style uh, 22. That's like a, a lever action kind of thing. It's really cool. Uh, my my dad brought uh, bought one for myself and my brother, uh, and... There was a 20-gauge. I don't know. I don't remember which came first. I really don't. Um, it's probably something at Boy Scout camp. But, yeah, 22. I'm not I'm not unique. All right. More questions. We're, we're going to do this. This is really the, – the questions are fantastic tonight. Uh, Voltaire E30, that's a BMW reference. What do you say to open carrying a pistol with a silencer with a, a T-Rex Arms Ragnarok SD holster? This is very oddly specific. I believe that guy <laughs> probably has one of those. Hmm. Um, sure, if you want to. Right? I'm just going to roll. Yeah, sure. All right. Jason Lee, bump stocks are still not machine guns, and Jeffrey Epstein didn't kill himself. Yep. Yeah, uh, fair point. Yep. <laughs> both of those statements are true. We, pro- when, we yeah, proved no. one of them scientifically. Uh, yeah. Peter Hinkle, he is a, uh, a guy that's always watching. How do you feel, uh, excuse me, how do you deal with family that refuses to see the facts and the truth, though you still love them immensely? Uh, Take this one, John. <laughs> yeah. Uh, go ahead. No, I... Uh, oh, you want ahead, me sorry. to take it? Uh, you just don't bring that up. I mean, really, like, people... You can you can try to have conversations. Like I said earlier, uh, my sister and I do not see eye-to-eye on firearms. Mm. And I love my sister. But I'm just going to accept her for who she is and her beliefs. And, you know, maybe that'll change. And maybe I'll be the catalyst Probably not, but maybe. Uh, but that doesn't negate the fact that I love my sister. She's allowed to have her own viewpoints. Matt, what do you think? 
Yeah, I think uh, thankfully everybody in my family is. Uh, it's not like they agree with me on everything, but everybody in my family is pretty open-minded, and and I, I haven't run into this experience in the family setting. But I think particularly in the family setting, you have to have your order of priorities right, and I think maintaining family integrity is is a, about the highest priority any one person should have. So, you know, if that person, uh, if your family disagrees with you, but is open to the conversation or wants the conversation, sure, take the shot. But if you're trying to force your viewpoints on that person for the sake of having the superior viewpoint, you know, uh, I would, I would prioritize peace in the family over that. And that, that would be my choice if I ran into this conflict. You don't like uh, Thanksgiving rage parties? <laughs> my thanks- <laughs> Thankfully, Where's my Thanksgivings are, <laughs> are often small with, you know, only my direct family and not the extended family. That sounds like I'm taking a shot at my extended family. I'm not. What I'm saying is there are there's minimal chance for conflict. I don't have those big Thanksgivings where it's like your crazy Uncle, Uncle Bob over there, you know, with his weird opinions. He's trying to yell at everybody about. <laughs> I kind of, you know, there are parts of me that wish I had that uncle. Like yeah. my my family's you know we've generally speaking everybody just kind of has fun together I don't know I don't I mean Genevieve probably sees it from an outside perspective I don't I don't think my family rocks the boat too much in that turn uh, like in in political stuff The other thing I'll say about this too really quickly is like one of the things that is to me is is so insufferable and off-putting about the way the left has gone is that everything is politics like you yeah. can't hang out <laughs> you can't go to a movie or a sports game without like everything being politics. And so I really that I was speaking earlier about just the importance of making sure that this conversation is wanted when it happens. I think there's a lot of value in that. You know, I, you should have friends who are similar to you and share your values, but good god, like if we can't just sit down and enjoy a non-political entertainment event or whatever, Thanksgiving dinner, it's just not a fun society to live in, you know, when there's no non-political fun. You know, that's uh that's something that um, I've dealt with. Like I, I get really wrapped up in what we're doing, right? Like I, mm. I just in it's just in and out of me all the time, just breathing it. And uh, there's been uh, quite a few times Genevieve's like, "Can we just not effing talk about politics right now?" Yeah, I'm like, "Thank you." That yes, yes, we can. I'll put my phone down. We'll stay away from the internet and and we'll watch uh, Great British Baking Show or something. Mm. Um, Genevieve, we have a question for you specifically. Oh, this, yeah? Yeah, this came from uh, James J. Cassis Jr. Got to have the junior in there. Genevieve, is there any mental illness diagnosis that you would suspend or limit someone's to a rights for? Uh, if mm. so, how do you ensure due process is followed? One, that is a very, like, you're, you could be on the hook for that question in the future. So, <laughs> Wow. Go ahead. No. Ooh. That's it. Very well. There's, there's nothing someone could be diagnosed with that I would say they weren't allowed to express their constitutional rights. I've thought yeah. about this a lot. <laughs> Go ahead. Uh, we get the. We've had this question several times, not necessarily with mental health, but with disabilities too. Like uh, uh, one of uh, our listeners who calls in frequently is blind. And asks about his uh, 2A rights. And I don't know that I have a great answer. Like, I, I can't give a reason why he shouldn't be able to protect himself in the same way everybody else should. Uh, on the other side of it, like, is is blindness or, you know, he's not, I don't know what his exact condition is. Like, if he has 
limited visibility or literally none. But would that sort of disability be sufficient to strip someone of his or her rights? Yeah, we, we've actually got uh, a guy named Danny who's also blind. I don't know, you know, there's percentages and all that kind of stuff. Like sometimes they can still kind of see, but yeah. like maybe not. I, I don't know. I don't know where he falls on this, but he talks to me about interacting with Facebook through like the, the phone, like reading it to him, like mm-hmm. a total different interaction with life, first of all, which is so interesting. Yeah. But uh, the blindness thing, like I, I'm falling where you fall. Like there's no reason to tell that person no. Right, like, there's no viable reason through law to say no, but I will say that like there's some part of me that is, you know, in terms of like gun safety, like you have to be able to see your target. Right. How does that work? And I don't maybe maybe how, we'll get Danny on the show or something. How I kind of like to think of questions like this is I always rephrase it to say, okay, I'm blind. What because firearms are very important to me and personal safety is very important to me. Obviously, if I went blind one day, what would I do? And my first initial reaction inside of myself is like, okay, I'll figure it out. Like I'll, I'll seek special training. I'll learn how to overcome my obstacles, but there's no part of me who would ever say that I would willingly make myself defenseless because of, of what happened. I mean, there has to be promote education. Yeah. Tell them they're not allowed. No. This guy we were talking about, too, I, mean, I think there's a credible argument on the other side of it. It's not that certain people's rights matter more than others, but in terms of his vulnerability, he talks about right. having to be, you know, use public transit or do this or that. I mean, he is a very vulnerable target for a robbery, for a mugging, for somebody who otherwise has a very difficult time defending himself. I mean, it's, I don't think anybody should be forced to defend themselves with their bare fists, and that's the only legal way to do it. But man, like, this guy potentially doesn't even have that option available to him in all circumstances. So yeah, that's, that's a tough one to think about too. Yeah, that's really tough. Um, this is, this is an interesting comment that just popped up and we're, we're running down towards the end of our show here, guys. Uh, I was a liberal turned gun owner. He didn't say I was a liberal turned conservative, liberal turned gun owner. As if that's a, like, that's almost a separate political class. I think that's interesting. All right. Another question. And then we're, we're going to wrap things up. Uh, do you think political rhetoric and the anti-left attitude is the proper way to keep the second protected? Would being less divisive be more productive? Absolutely. Yeah, there's probably some truth to that. You know, as someone who, I, I, admittedly, I, I characterize the left in certain ways, and, and there's uh, perhaps that maybe that's not strategically wise, but um, at some point, I mean, part of part of my problem with what's going on is that Everybody who is, uh, you know, not necessarily in lockstep with the party line of the, the insane Democratic Party, in my estimation, is maligned, is demonized, gun owners in particular. And so there it's I guess it's a great debate of like, should you always kill them with kindness? Should you always meet aggression with uh, the assumption of good intentions and, and, and kindness in response? I could probably make a case on either side of that. But. Over time, it is very hard to be charitable with people who refuse to be charitable with you. It, it becomes a very difficult exercise. At some point, you just got to put your foot down and say, no, I'm not, I'm not bending on this anymore. I don't know. I don't have a clean answer on that one, but I, Genev- think, I think there's a case on either side. Genevieve, what do you think there? 
Uh, just to, to clarify the question, because I'm having like short-term memory loss here, apparently. <laughs> you said demonizing the left. How do you feel about that being a strategy? Yeah, correct? like just this, this political rhetoric and this sort of like you're on the left, so you're, you know, right. uh, instead of like orange man bad, it's the opposite of that. Mm. What, do you, what do you think? Of, I, is that the way to move forward? I mean, I don't. I would never do that personally. I I think that people don't like to be told that they're wrong. So I think the avenue to take, which I think, Matt, you touched on earlier, is just to ask people questions about why they believe the things that they do and ask them to give examples and get them thinking in their own head. You know, as soon as you start a conversation with, well, you're wrong and here's why, no one's going to listen to anything that you have to say. And I, I think that just telling people flat out that they're wrong and they're bad is not the way to go. And, you know, I, like I said before, I like to stay very neutral. There's violence on both sides. And we all know that. I think we can all agree to that. I am very tired of how I'm treated by people who are on the left. You know, I get, I get messages online saying, Oh, you own guns. Why don't you just go out in the street and murder a bunch of children? You know, like things that make me feel horrible about myself. Mm-hmm. And I don't like that. And I'm not going to sit here and say it never happens to them because I don't know. So I think that both sides need to be reformed. The left maybe a little bit more in my opinion. And, you know, I just think that if we can have conversations with each other, where we're not demonizing each other or anybody is really the the path forward there. Just hearing each other out. Yeah, Whether I, that's possible or not at this point, I really don't know. But <laughs> So uh, something that's kind of going through my head right now, and it's not a fully fleshed out thought, but I want to talk about it for a second. Um, so me, me personally, like John from the gun collective, I, uh, I don't know that I am the type of person one to be that way like i would much rather make a like like a kind of jab like i'm more of like a uh i don't know i like to joke around and have fun and like poke at people right like that's me as a person but i also (laughs) think that my job is less about converting people and and more about uh creating enthusiasm amongst gun owners because i think as soon as somebody gets you know, put onto my content. I think they're less like, like the gun collective, like it's all guns all the time. They're less likely to be converted by me and more likely to have a conversation with somebody about something they saw. So like, I think it's, it's like my job is more about it it, to use political terms, um, creating enthusiasm among the base. Hmm. Like, I think that's, so, so if I use some of those terms to like get people thinking and, and ramp up some support for some things, perhaps that's where I fall in that in that sort of thing. But I do think that as a whole, our community being less divisive could absolutely move us forward. I just don't know that people have that in them at this point. I think that's absolutely a good thing. Good, good. No, I was just, you know, hearing you guys talk about this, I actually remember a time that wasn't that long ago. It was when I was living down in Philly less than two years ago, and I actually changed somebody's mind about guns. In like, it was almost kind of like the what you joked about earlier, the handshake. Like, oh, (laughs) thanks for that insight. It does. It happened to me once. I didn't get a handshake, but it was good. Um, We we had no power in the apartment. I don't know if you remember this, John, uh, me telling you about it. We had no power in the apartment complex, so 
there was a kid sitting on the the doorstep downstairs and I was like I was like hey well this sucks do you want a beer and I went upstairs and I I brought beer down for us and we just started talking about politics because I think a, a shooting had just recently happened or something and the kid was like oh yeah you know I I don't think that anybody should be allowed to have um assault rifles and I just was drinking beer with him. I'm like, oh, what is that? Like, can you can you define what that is? And he's like, oh, yeah, it's when you when you hold the trigger once and, you know, bursts of rounds go off and you could just kill a bunch of people without having to do anything. And I'm like, you know, I can see how you would think that 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 is how it is portrayed. And that totally makes sense why you think that here's how it actually works. You know, and we went through with facts and I wasn't like, hey, you're wrong. I was like, I understand why you think that. Let me tell you what I know from my side. And it was like a really good conversation. It was the calmest conversation I've ever had with anybody about this subject. So I just, you know, I thought that was really interesting. And he said, well, I, I'm going to do more research now because I don't I don't know as much as I thought I did. Yeah. You know, it was cool. Well, that's interesting that you you made that point of I can see why you believe that here's, you know, a point of pivot and we move on to, to some other related topic as opposed to the reason you believe that is because of the character flaw. The reason you believe that is because you're right. evil or dumb or whatever. <laughs> That's what's driving me nuts right now. It's like you can't possibly yeah. be a good person and hold this opinion. Right. If we could all get back to a normal state where it's possible that someone disagrees with you and isn't a moral failure, that would be great. Perhaps um, people of our perspective could do a better job uh, contributing to that social environment. But uh, but I will need matched uh, a matched effort on the other side if I am to contribute fully. Yeah. I don't think you're going to get it. I think that at this point it's it's gone. And I also still believe in leading by example. I yeah, think that's, that's the fair. only way to get anything done. Yeah. And and I'm not going to lie to anybody. Like you try to have a conversation about this with someone who's on the extreme left, you're not going to win that argument. But, you know, stand firm in your own principles and what you believe in and lead by example. That's all that we can do. We can only control how we behave. I I don't know if uh if the quote is exact, but it's basically no one wins an argument and I don't know who said it. Uh, I know there's a whole chapter of it in uh, a Dale Carnegie book and nobody wins in an argument. Like you both, like if two people are arguing, you're trying to prove the other one wrong and nobody wants to feel like they're wrong. Yeah. Right. It's a human, it's a human trait. Anyway, we have pushed past our time limit guys. I appreciate everybody watching. Um, Matt, is there anything that you want to tell people to go do? Like how how do people connect with you? What's the thing? If you'd like to check out my stuff, you can visit my website. It's mattchristensenmedia.com. Unfortunately, the name is very long, but it's Christian like the religion, S-E-N. mattchristensenmedia.com. Everything I do is there. And uh, these days, you never know what platform is going to be. Who's going to delete you tomorrow. So you can find me on my website <laughs> if anything else fails. We didn't even get to talk about the YouTube thing. I totally, I know, we totally I didn't even get to well, talk about that. And I was hoping to talk with you guys a little bit about Patreon, too, because, uh, you know, all of that was, was crazy town as well. Uh, but maybe another time. 
Yeah, let's let's absolutely have you back on sometime uh, in the not so distant future. I would love to do that. I really really enjoyed. So guys, please check out mattchristiansenmedia.com. Also, go follow Beyond the Unknown. That's Genevieve over here on Instagram. She has a an incredible page and puts out some really positive messages every single day and I love reading them. They're fantastic. So go follow her. Definitely check out Matt Christensen Media. The library of Call of Duty Rage is in full effect, and I absolutely love it. <laughs> it's still up. You can still go watch them, man. It's, the entire <laughs> collection is still there. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna go, go ahead and put that on the television. Television <laughs> and. Uh, yeah, it's going to be great. Yeah. Anyway, guys, uh, as always, thanks for watching. Be sure to check out our Subscribestar page and use the code TGC over at Vertex.com. And as always, thank you all for watching. I'll see you very soon. Mm-hmm.